Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, your conflict mediator, your very impartial judge, and of course, your backseat driver. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist, always causing conflict, your mechanic. Eyes on the road, drivers. It's time for another leg of the journey. Today's quote is by William James, American psychologist, father of American psychology. Whenever you're in conflict with someone, there is one factor that can make the difference between damaging your relationship and deepening it. That factor is attitude. So last week, we wrapped up our arc on stigma and mental health with an episode about the military and its unique relationship with mental health. We are kicking off a new arc this week on conflict, and I presume conflict resolution? But first, we need to understand it. So, Don, what is conflict? Well, the verb conflict is defined as to be incompatible or at variance. So, anything that is incompatible or at variance, a clash, is a conflict. Me, I am a conflict. <laughs> yes, yes. What you are you are. incompatible with? Everything. <laughs> Yourself. Yes. So conflict between two people tends to happen when there are two points of view and each person does not understand the point of view of the other. All right. That seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, it is. I don't think it does. (laughs) You're a contrarian, not conflicted. (laughs) Yeah, she understands your point of view. She just doesn't want to acknowledge it. That's right. She prefers to take the other one. So some of the causes of conflict, they can be categorized into five basic areas. Information, where there's different or insufficient information, and people are arguing about that. Values, and this is an incompatible belief system where one side wants to impose their values on others or claims they have the exclusive rights to that set of values, and if you try to take them, no bueno. Interest is another area, and this is uh, a competition of perceived or actual needs. One or both sides believes that to get their needs met, the other side must sacrifice theirs. Then there are conflicts of relationship. These often begin with misperceptions and strong negative emotions or poor communication. These often develop into resentment and mistrust. Not good. And structural is the last one. This is often caused by oppressive behavior exerted on others. So when, think about a really mean boss that drops a huge ton of work on you on Friday at five o'clock. That's oppressive behavior. Yeah, Don. When I look at the categories of conflict and think about examples of conflict, I guess in my life, but I mean, just examples of conflicts I've experienced or seen, I feel like in many cases, they sort of blur together. I can see like a single conflict involving different information and also value systems and interest and a relationship. Maybe not structural as much, but like especially those first four. Mm -hmm. I think there's often aspects of each of those in a conflict. Is that often the case? 
It can be. And these buckets are really an attempt to kind of organize kinds of conflict. It's not, they're not absolute. They account for maybe 80% of the variance and they can be blends, as you point out, Ben. Often though, there's one that is kind of the lead energy for the conflict. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, initiates the conflict, but there's a lot going on under the surface. I mean, when people are fighting about things, it's very rarely a simple issue. There's almost always other stuff happening, whether that is stated or not. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm, I'm getting at with these other, you can argue with somebody about an informational dispute, but maybe the real reason you're making a fuss about it is because you have a value that's in conflict with them. Well, I won't argue with you. Okay. Thanks. That's what I wanted. (laughs) I run this show after all. I would, but then our episode would be too long. So. So how do you know when you're in conflict? I feel like we almost were just there, but we swerved. Kind of like that. Most conflict begins as a discussion and then it kind of uncovers a difference. And then both parties or only one party might feel threatened by that difference. And then emotion happens and emotions heighten. And here we are now in a conflict. So most of the time starts as a conversation and then kind of devolves from there. The emotional content is usually what indicates at least the early stages of a conflict. Attitude and nonverbal behavior will then add to that and can elicit defensiveness from the other person whose emotions also rise. I'm making hand gestures that you can't see because we do a podcast. Cool. Yeah, that's helpful. What's the thing where emotional one-upping each other? I mean, I can see the hand gestures and I still don't understand what's happening. (laughs) So one person's emotion rises, the other person's emotions rise to meet it. And we rise again. Ratcheting. That's the word I'm looking for. And a key element of that ratcheting is on one of the individual's parts, the will to prevail. That my point of view has to win. And this is that scarcity mentality. It's all about pushing instead of being able to receive and to pull from someone else what their needs are and find a solution. So that will to prevail is kind of a a critical moment. So what do you look for when conflict is starting to happen? You can only look really inside of yourself. And are you becoming defensive? Are you developing a will to prevail? Do you feel your emotions shooting up? When you notice those things, that's the time to do something different. And we've talked about... Should you be less emotional? Should you just like negate your emotions? aware of your emotions and it's that personal responsibility that we talk about a lot to recognize what emotion are you feeling and how is it showing so i do this it's body mind awareness if you're feeling anger what does your body do knowing this about yourself helps you recognize when you're in a conversation oh hey i'm starting to feel angry because my brow is tense my hands are clenched and my stomach hurts but rehearsing that for yourself before you're in the conflict, helps you become aware of that. Yeah. But it's not about muting your emotions. It's about understanding them and being able to communicate them gently and effectively. Because you can't eliminate them. That's not possible. <laughs> emotions are going to come out no matter what you try to do. The tighter you try to hold on to them, the louder and screechier they sound, much like a balloon. If you open a balloon and let the air out, it goes... <laughs> And it's done. Man, that's fantastic radio. <laughs> if you hold the end of the balloon, it oh will boy. screech out in a, in a 
very high. <laughs> and you won't like that at all. There it was, folks. <laughs> I was thinking Holy artist done on the case. <laughs> and I was over here like, it's like hugging a cat. <laughs> yeah, you just can't eliminate emotions. You have to find a, a good way to express them. It's not wrong to be angry. How you express it makes all the difference. All right. I think that all makes sense. We spend a lot of time, well, I don't know. I spend a lot of time trying to avoid conflict. I once read a thing. It was a humorous article about the number one goal in life is to avoid being yelled at. And the person writing was talking about all the ways in which they go to extreme lengths to avoid getting yelled at. And of course, it was satirical, so it got like more and more absurd. But is conflict bad? Should we avoid conflict? Should we face conflict? I mean, we probably, I don't know, should we seek it out? It depends, as everything does. I know, it depends. That's our in-between answers. Conflict is necessary. There's different points of view for everyone. I don't know that conflict has to be bad and loud and fighty like we've been talking about. You can have conflict with someone and be respectful and you can have constructive conversations. All conflict doesn't have to be destructive. It doesn't have to be yelling and screaming and storming away and slamming doors. That's interesting. I think that's a good point for listeners because I think when we think about conflict, we think yelling and messy and slamming doors and destruction and not coming to an agreement and not building anything and not reaching any sort of compromise, which is the other side of the coin of conflict, getting to a compromise. Mm -hmm. Or at least coming to mutual understanding of each other's opinions. Because for some conflicts, there might not be a compromise, but there is an ability to create mutual respect for each other. I think some of that depends on the the context of the the conflict, which we'll get into in some future episodes here. But in some situations, you don't have a choice. You got to figure out some sort of agreement. And in others, you can just essentially agree to disagree. Although I really dislike that point of view. Well, that's an avoiding technique. So Yeah, but I mean, how is that different than saying we have different opinions, but we respect each other? I agree to disagree doesn't give you a plan to move forward. So that's not any level of conflict resolution. In conflict resolution, there's a plan to move forward. If I agree to disagree with you and disengage, we don't have to live out our lives together in any way, shape, or form. That is a plan to move forward. If we agree to disagree, but we commit to, well, we have to do this because the business needs it, or we have to parent these children or whatever, that's another plan that goes forward. But just to stop at, I agree to disagree and then walk away. Like you said, if you're not bound to that person by something like a kid or a job, then that is a way to move forward. Yes. It just, I dislike it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm allowed to express opinions on this show because I'm not a professional. Well, and also Ben, if you think about it, that's that desire to prevail. I'll agree to disagree. I don't like it because I didn't get to prevail. Yeah. Well, you're never truly out of that conflict. I live my life in conflict. Yeah. Actually, everybody lives their life in some level of conflict, including internal conflict. That's probably the biggest one where you judge yourself and hammer on you because you didn't say something right or you didn't do something right or whatever. Or you Uh, ate that extra Oreo. (laughs) Yeah, or you ate the extra Oreo. In in terms of, of constructive or destructive, 
Conflict can be either one, and it really depends on how you handle it, not the other person, how you handle it. We're all back to personal responsibility again. Comes back to the quote, huh? The attitude. It is. It very much is. Yeah. All right. So we're in a conflict. Yep. How do we handle it? What do we do? Panic? Not run away. Hopefully. Gotta prevail. (laughs) Hopefully you don't want to panic and you don't have a need to prevail. You have to identify first when it's starting. So Kim was talking about that, that mind body awareness about, oh, my emotions are coming up because I noticed something in my body. And that's where you'll notice emotions first is some reaction in your body. The second is to take a deep breath because that helps soothe you. And Kim can tell us all about vasovagal responses. Yeah, long-time uh-huh. listeners will remember the, the long nerve, the vagus nerve, the deep breathing. Mm-hmm. From the diaphragm. Breathe from the diaphragm. There you go. So take a deep breath and then for a moment, set aside your own point of view. You're not going to forget your point of view. Set it aside and really try I, to... What if I do? What if I forget? Well, then it wasn't really that important. So why are you in a conflict? <laughs> oh, man. Why do you guys have answers for everything? Professionals. That's we right. <laughs> we, we trained ourselves for this. Yes, that's exactly right. And it just takes training for all of this. So take that deep breath, set aside your point of view, and really listen to the other person to see how they are experiencing the issue. Again, you don't have to agree, but you want to understand their point of view well enough that you can reflect it back. And you can guess at what their emotions are around whatever this issue is. When you do that, the other person feels heard and understood. That will decrease all of the emotions that a lot of people don't like about having conflict. Because people just want to be heard and understood. Then they're ready, actually, to to solve the problem. Be respectful. Ask questions with gentle curiosity because you want to understand their point of view. Again, you don't have to agree with it, but you do have to understand it. When the other believes you really do understand, then ask permission to share your point of view. Hopefully, they'll listen as well as you have because you've set an example. What if they don't? Then you return to listening so that you can demonstrate, I do know your point of view, and I'd like to share mine. Can we do that again? You just repeat this cycle. So now we're in an endless conflict. Well, it won't be endless because most people will calm down since you've heard them. They truly will. And they will attempt to reflect back your point of view. I feel like a lot of people don't get past step two of this. Yes, that's probably true, which is why Kim and I have full-time jobs. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I'm not, to be clear, I'm not trying to poke holes in this. It's all very good. I am trying to point out the challenges. Well, this and is we're hard. talking about training, right? So the reason Don and I do this is because you have to learn. If you don't know these steps, how are you going to do them? Most people are like, okay, I'm mad. I took a deep breath. Here we are. Uh, I don't feel any better. I'm <laughs> still um, mad. If you don't know what that next step is, how are you supposed to do it? And then you have to um, practice it. So knowing it is not enough. This is like CPR, right? You go learn CPR, you get certified, but you need to practice it in order to be able to use it when you need it. And practicing it when you're not in a crisis. So having these conversations with people that you care about who go into it knowing that you want to learn and respect and hear from each other. So you're not in a contentious, conflictual experience. 
You're just having a conversation with someone and practicing these skills. And then when you get into a conflict with someone, because conflict's inevitable, kind of like Thanos, you... (laughs) I was waiting for someone to laugh at that one. Only Avenger fans will recognize that reference. But, you know, when you get into a conflict with someone, you've built up these skills to be able to do it when you are in those heightened emotions rather than just the common level. Yep. That's right. Kim's okay, right on so let's, point. Let's finish out our handling conflict tips. Both parties mm-hmm. understand each other, hopefully are a little calmer. What's next? So then you try to identify what are the needs that are present in both points of view. And identifying needs is really the key to finding good solutions. When we present points of view, we often lead with, here's the solution I want to the problem. If we back out of that solution that you want and we get to describing the problem from your point of view, we can establish the needs. Then when all the needs are on the table, we start to brainstorm. And all of the possibilities that you brainstorm are evaluated against meeting the needs that you've identified in the two points of view. Then you select. Here's an answer that meets most of the points or the most important needs. And that way you select a path forward. This is the one we're going to do. We're going to move forward. And then you create a plan. Who's going to do what, when to accomplish whatever the plan is. See, easy peasy. All right. Let me try and recap for our listeners. Step one, notice when you're in a conflict through mind body connection and understanding your own emotions. Step two, Take a deep breath, set aside your point of view, and listen carefully to the other person. Step three, listen with all your senses and reflect back what you heard to try and understand the emotions of the other person. Be respectful and ask gentle, curious questions. You don't have to agree with their point of view, but you do have to at least attempt to understand it and hopefully come to an understanding of it. I lost track of my steps. Next step, You're on step six. Step six, ask permission to share your point of view. Step seven, identify the needs from both point of views. And then eight, brainstorm the possibilities and evaluate them against meeting those needs and agree on a path forward. Yep. There you go. Do the thing. Yeah. Then you have to create a plan. How are you going to do it? One of the things about the needs, though, this is again about attitude You have to believe that the needs of the other person are as important as your needs. Not more important, not less important, as important. I mean, that's going to be tough too. Yes. (laughs) I didn't say this was easy. You're not going to meet all of the needs of both people. So you got to pick the most important needs. Well, that's a big old asterisk there. Like, hey, all the important needs can't be conveniently your needs and not the other person's. That's right. Uh, That's right. I was thinking that when you said that, I'm like, oh, but what if all of my needs are the important ones? Well, and what's interesting is you might find that several of the needs overlap and that you both need the same thing just from different sides of this problem. One of the hardest things that I experience doing therapy with couples is they get into violent agreement. (laughs) So they're super intense about whatever their point of view is, not realizing that they actually agree. I feel like this has definitely happened to me before. Yeah. That's being caught up by your emotions. And also recognizing the resentful compromise. So we're talking about finding the needs 
and either meeting all of the needs or what needs are most important, don't compromise something if you're, you don't want to follow through or you won't follow through. If there are needs that can't be met, address them and find ways to move around them. But one person compromising past what they're willing to do leads to resentment and ultimately more conflict later on. Yep. And, and resentment is super corrosive in a relationship of any kind. For real. Yeah. I hold resentment towards my cat. It makes a very contentious living situation. Well, there you have it, y'all. A comprehensive overview of conflict. It is a thing many of us fear, at least I do. But the reality is that it's a part of life and living in a society, and we are social creatures. Learning more about conflict can give us the tools we need to manage it more effectively and lead to healthier, happier relationships, which is, of course, the goal of this podcast. Over the course of this arc, we'll be diving into more specific kinds of conflict, uh, like work conflicts, family conflicts, and more. So stay tuned. And of course, until the next time, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to The Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and may the sun shine warm upon your face. Mm-hmm.